Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. 
The mercy that you are showing so many people that have not woken up, uh, what, you know, awakened to the, the uh, you know, the things that are going on around the world. Father, I, I, you know, I'm exposed to it an awful lot, and it, it breaks my heart. And I just praise you for your incredible patience, because if it wasn't for that incredible patience, so many of us would, you know, maybe we're not even ready now. You know, maybe we're really, we think we're ready, but we're really just not where we need to be. We don't know, but we're going to continue to examine ourselves like we were told by the Apostle Paul. We're going to continue to be on our knees praying that you will help us. You know, if we know that we have something in our lives, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, just isn't as, 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 as refined as you would like it to be. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you will reveal these things to our hearts. Help us to um, make the changes, and, and but really be proactive. Father, we're asking you to be kind of like in our face a little bit. We want you and we beseech you, please, to bring to our attention in the most, um, what would be the right word, in a really, really obvious way, what the things are that are in our lives, the feelings that we feel in our hearts, how we feel about our neighbors, whatever the case may be, uh, just please, Father, we know we're running out of time. We see the things that are happening across the world. We listen, you know, to some degree, we listen to some of the prophecies that are coming out, and they're speaking, wow, like every other day or whatever, there's another prophecy saying that we're getting exceedingly close to uh, the rapture. And we're seeing all the precursors, you know, all the things that um, uh, that, that uh, Paul warned um, the Church of Thessalonica in the second letter, uh, in the second chapter, praise God. And we're seeing it, we're checking them off. You know, we're checking them off like we're reading a newspaper, and we can only do that because you have been so merciful to us to help us to be able to see these things so long ago, really. Uh, in some cases, the vast majority of them we were very, very well, well aware about, even as far back as 10 years, and in some cases, to some people, even 15, 20 or more years, some of the uh, old timers that have been out there 
watching and, and, you know, watching for your coming an awful long time ago. But for me, it's been mostly 2007, 2008, 2009, and then the website and the show. But, Father, so many more people are waking up. I, You know, I praise you for uh, the new communications that I've received from some, you know, a few people. I, I know a lot of them don't. They, I don't know, you know, they don't talk to me. A lot of the people that have recently started to listen to the program, uh, they, they they don't they don't email me, uh, and so I don't. I know they're out there because I see the new email names coming in, and I praise God for them. It just it's a such a mighty blessing. I can't even put it into words. And um, and I praise you also for those who have been asking me to put them on their prayer list, them and their loved one, loved one or whatever the case may be. Because, Father, you know what? There's always room for more on that prayer list. And I thank you, Father. I, I praise you, and I, I, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will help me, especially when I return from the trip this next week, to be able to um, make some major adjustments, some pretty major adjustments to uh, how, uh, you you know, the order of events and the things that I do in the early, early morning to include the workout, to make major changes to my diet, because I've got to drop this 35 pounds. I've got to get back to the to where I want to be, you know, pre-pandemic and all that. And I, I know that you understand that. And I'm, I'm asking for your help. And I know there's other people out there that have also... Uh, they're also dealing with similar challenges, you know, for, uh, in, in their lives. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, for every single listener of this radio show, in Jesus' name, please. Whatever it is that they have in their lives, whatever feeling that they feel, and if there is any unforgiveness in their heart about things that have happened in the past, raise it up, bubble it up in front of them, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray that you will be in our face. Help us, Father, to make, to make it, to be, to be counted worthy, to escape all these things. Thank you, Jesus, for Luke 21:36 to admonish us and to tell us, indeed command us, to pray always to be counted worthy to escape all these things that are about to come to pass and stand before you, the Son of Man, at no other, place, no other place that it could be except the wedding supper. Praise Jesus. And we thank you, Father God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for Luke 21, 35, 36, 37, where it talks about, it doesn't specifically mention the first watch, but it mentions the second watch and the third watch explicitly. We know that you're coming back from the wedding supper at the time, which means the first watch is in heaven. We praise you for all of this. It is just so fantastic and just one amazing blessing, Lord Jesus, that, um, you know, I don't even know why, but I felt led to write that article way back in 2011 called multi-phased rescue mission having really no idea that there were three iterations to the rapture and then being able to equate those three iterations to the barley harvest the wheat harvest and the grape harvest which is mentioned in revelation 14 with the nlt father we just praise you for helping us to see these things we praise you for helping us to see world war three ramping up just about as fast as it possibly can it is very confusing uh just like the antichrist said if you flood the uh if you flood the squares of all the cities in the town with enough raw sewage that people get come to a place where they don't trust anybody, uh, you have succeeded. And we know that that's what the Antichrist is doing. We know the filth that we see all around us. We wish we could avoid it. But at the same time, we are commanded to watch ye therefore and to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And Father, we are watching. We are watching. We are praying, please, in the name of Jesus, please, in the name of Jesus, anything that is inside of our hearts, any behavior that we have, Whatever it is that we need to correct, 
bubble it up into our hearts. But, you know, just make it become a real, just right in front of us, and, and just be overt, please, Father, in Jesus' name, so that we can start praying about it and asking you for your help. Lord Jesus, asking you for your advocacy, uh, helping us to purify ourselves, you know, to, and beseeching you to wash us with your hyssop and make us whiter than snow, creating in us a clean heart, and to wipe out all of our recollection of past sins, like it, like which is the implication of uh, Psalm 51, verse 14, because we want to be able to live in peace and not be attacked by the devil, the accuser, or the brethren, constantly making us feel like we're unworthy. It robs us of the power that we ought to have through your grace, and we need that power. We need an anointing of trust, an anointing of grace, and we need, please, Father, for you to reveal to, the, to us overtly, very overtly, and right in our face, the things that we need to make corrections of in our lives so that we can get on our knees and seek you with all of our heart and and look for help from the throne room, where, whether it be angels, through our prayers, whatever uh, is required for us to, you know, purify ourselves to a level where uh, we qualify for Ephesians 5.27, where he, Jesus, will come uh, for his bride, for her, uh, looking for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without a blemish. And we need your help, Father, to get to that place. We don't want to be tricked by any of the heresies that are flying around, the pillow prophet nonsense that's going around. We pray for our brothers and sisters that have un- unfortunately become, well, pretty deceived about you know the new apostolic reformation stuff and the and the uh you know seven mountains mandate stuff and all that kind of stuff and and father it's it's sad it's heartbreaking because many of our family members have gotten kind of like sucked into that whirlpool of lies and um and there's so many of our brothers and sisters that are just they're wonderful they're great wonderful anointed people and we know that you you use imperfect people we praise you for that because you wouldn't use any of us we're certainly not perfect so we just pray Father, that you will forgive those that are, you know, on the top of the seven mountains, that you will forgive those who are, um, you know, doing things for you for profit and misleading the sheep and all the things that are going on right now that are utterly confusing to so many people, particularly in the churchianity here in Babylon the Great. And we just praise your holy name and thank you, Father God, for your incredible mercy. We beseech you, please, to pour out that anointing upon us. And I also ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, please, in Jesus' name, that anyone who even so much as mentions me to you in prayer, that you will anoint them with a tenfold blessing of anointing, divine protection, uh, and just wrap them in, uh, you know, as it says in uh, uh, Psalm 91, under the, under the feathers of your wings, and protect them and protect their family and save the souls of all of their loved ones, Father. And, and not just that, but Father, we pray because that's what we're asked to do. We, you know, without reading Luke, Luke 18, you know, where it says for us to always be praying, to pray always, to pray always. But we lift up before you with such great excitement and an assurance. I love carrying these little laminated scripture cards with me wherever I go, and I don't want to forget to take them with me to my trip, you know, tomorrow. I want them to go with me wherever I go. But as you said, Lord Jesus, in Matthew 18, 19, and I pray that everybody that is listening to this show prays this with me. Jesus, you said to us, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And Father, Lord Jesus, we ask you, 
please, count us worthy to escape all these things that are about to come to pass and stand before you. We're very excited. We've come this far. We don't know what we face. We don't know how long it's going to take. But a lot of us are very excited that it could be much, much closer than we realize. And we just thank you. Thank you for not forgetting these prayers. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you will, you will please. In the name of Jesus. Father, please, raise them up to the tippity-top of your list of petitions. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus. Um, Exciting times we live in right now. I was just having a conversation with Sister Elena this morning. She talked me down out of a tree. I was in a really weird sort of a mood. I didn't sleep very well. Whenever I travel, I I get like that, and I'm praying, please, Father, please, Father, please, Father, let me sleep tonight. Because if I don't sleep well tonight, by the time I get to where I'm going, Vegas, unfortunately, and all that kind of stuff, I don't want to get into it. Um, the I will have been awake. Oh my goodness, 24 hours, something like that. I don't know. I have to calculate it out from 10 to 11 to 12 to 13 to 14, 15, 16, 17. Wait, wait, I'm doing it wrong. Oh well. Anyway, yeah, all day tomorrow. So maybe I can grab some Z's on the plane. That's the that's one of the problems that I have, or challenges, I should say, challenges, is I never know whether or not I should. You know, it's a five-hour flight. Do I want to be crushed into a window seat because I'm, you know, 300 pounds and six foot two, or do I want to 
sit on an aisle seat and have the ability to spread my shoulders all the way out so I'm not in agony by the uh, third hour. Because by the end of the third hour, when, you know, you're a full-sized man kind of thing, uh, you know, it, it hurts. I mean, it genuinely is painful in your upper body because you can't expand out your shoulders. You know, you got to sit with your shoulders all crunched in and everything. And so I'm, I'm kind of leaning toward the, uh, the aisle seat. But I have a feeling I'm going to want to sleep, and that's, that's kind of a bummer because then you need the window seat. So I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling with it. I'll just have to pray about it. I so, so hope I get to sleep tonight. I've got all my um, sleeping meds out here. I've got GABA. GABA helps you sleep. Um, I've got, um, you know, a couple of uh, fast-acting valerian roots, some passion flower, whatever. And um, I'm going to go ahead and take all those and then also a ZZ Quill. Um, see if I, you know, fall asleep. There have been times when I've taken all these sleep aids, herbal supplements, fast acting, all that kind of stuff. And I still can't sleep. I mean, I literally sit there with my head on the pillow looking up at, you know, and I'm, I try to close my eyes. I try everything. I even sing to Jesus. I focus my, uh, all of my heart and mind and my I look at him right in the eyes and I, I sing to him and, you know, and beseech the father and roll over and pray in bed and ask, please, father, help me to fall asleep. And sometimes nothing. And I don't know why, you know, it is what it is, but um, I don't know. Uh, some of the headlines tonight will probably help to shed some light, if you will, on why anybody that's, uh, you know, in the workplace would be duly concerned about, um, you know, the kinds of things that are going on all around us. Praise God. So, yeah, it's one of those things. So um, I, I've had some really wonderful saints. And again, if you if you need prayer and you want me to put you on my prayer list, just email or just say hi or thank me for, you know, say something nice, whatever. Uh, because believe me, I can really, really use it. And uh, But anyway, my email is jbaptist777 at gmail.com. And I love hearing from new people. I love it. When I see the name of an individual come in my email and I'm like, I don't know this person. I've never talked to this person before. I get, you know, I'm excited. I'm like, wow, this is cool. I get to meet another, you know, and 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 people have really, it, things are different now than they used to be back in 2010, 2011, 2012, et cetera. Back then we used to get a lot of really mean people. And um, I ended up having to block a lot of them because, you know, you don't want to wake up every single morning and have someone calling you all kinds of hideous names and things like that. So, um, you know, but lately it hasn't been like that, which has been just a powerful blessing. And if you need, you know, if you want me to pray for you and put, put you on my list, by all means, um, you know, let me know. And I'm, I'm happy to do it. Um, you know, so anyway, praise God. I think it's a blessing. We're standing on holy ground when we are asked to pray for somebody else. It's a blessing from our Father to give us that um, honor, okay? And um, and I, I just praise God for that because um, to tell you the truth, you know, I don't want to say that. I don't. That implies that I lie. To be as forthcoming as possible, honestly, if it wasn't for the kindness of other people's prayers for me, I don't really – my suspicion is – I wouldn't be alive 
my suspicion is that I would have I would have been dead. Uh, now I'm not going to get into the testimony and all the details of the hoary, you know, the gory stuff that you know that I went through and and such, so that you would be able to get context. I'm going to leave that alone for for now. But my point is, I just praise God for every one of you that that thinks about because you know the funny thing about it is, when you're the one with the microphone, everybody thinks you got your act together. And I'm here to tell you that is absolutely the opposite of the truth. The person in any given church, I don't care what church, even if it's a crummy church, that needs probably the most prayer of all is the pastor and the pastor's wife. You can believe it. Especially if they're doing damage to the devil. If they're if they're you know, if they are preaching holiness and righteousness and they are preaching fire and brimstone and doing a little bit of Leonard Ravenhill once every couple of weeks so they don't scare everybody away the first time. But if that's what they're doing, if they're really preparing the church to be who they, who we are, to have power, because we were not given a spirit of fear, but a, you know, tell that to me, you know, in my panic attacks. Uh, you know, but yeah, I was uh you know, we weren't given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. And of love, and of a sound mind, power, and that's what's missing, really, when you think about it. From churchianity is power, doing things in the name of Jesus, taking charge of your life. If you are, you know, going through crummy stuff, if you feel like you're a targeted individual or whatever the case may be, you need to grab the bull by the horns, as it were. You need to go after those devils, okay? Asking somebody else to pray a third-party prayer for you, um, and again, this is just, you know, I, I'm not sharing anybody's names or anything, but, you know, if you're listening tonight, God bless you. You know, I love you, and I shared what I shared with you because I'm helping you, and I care. I really do. And um, and you know what? Your testimony that I'm sharing right now, and you know, in case you're listening, uh, and God bless you, is going to help many other people. Third-party spiritual warfare is tricky business because what happens is when another person is trying to cast out the devils of the people that you're dealing with, it's not nearly as effective as it is when you do it. So like in the story in Leonard Raven, I'm sorry, Lester Sumrall's uh, biography where he got called back into the jail because that lady – uh, who was possessed by the devil and was, you know, the, the demons and killing people in the jail. Well, Lester goes in there and he gets rid of them. You know, he gets rid of all the devils. And it was on national news. They put it over, you know, shortwave radio and the whole world heard about this wonderful, incredible guy named Lester Sumrall that came in and he was the winner. He was the one that got the devils out of the woman. And it was a big, big deal. So much so that the uh, that the mayor of Manila uh, actually talked to Lester and said, yes, you can put up a church over here at this particular location, which was the whole reason he went to Manola in the first place. He didn't know he was going to have to cast the devils out. But God told him, I need you to go in and do it. He said, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I hate spiritual warfare. And the father said, I don't have anyone else to send. And it broke his heart. So he decided to go in and do it. But what he didn't expect was for the devils to come back. Okay. You know, that, so, you know, when you read in Luke 12, I think it's Luke 12. Is it Luke 12? You know, where it says, um, you know, um, uh, 
when 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 a demon when, I'm going to butcher it a little bit. I'm going to summarize it a little bit. But, you know, um, but it basically says when 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 a de- when a devil is uh, cast out, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. And then he takes seven more demons, more evil and deadly than himself, and they they go back to its house and it, they find it empty, swept and put in order. And and uh, and then they enter and dwell there. The, with the more evil demons, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. Now, that sounds kind of weird, and you might say, well, why is that? Well, Jesus wraps it up by saying, so shall it be with this evil generation, which is why he said to the man in the other story, he said, you know, now go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. So anyway, um, you know, Celeste goes back in. I know I've told the story before, but it's just uh, it's awesome story, awesome story. And um, he goes back in there, and he prayed about it. He said to the devil, what are you doing back? I cast you out. I command you to tell me in the name of Jesus. And the devil um, said, we have a right to her. And then um, Lester realized that he needed to teach this woman to fight for herself that the demons were going to try to come back and that she needs to cast them out. She needs to say, devils from hell, out of here in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind and cast you out. Get out. Get out. Okay? That's how it works. And that's the most effective way to deal with um, demons coming after you. Um, You know, some of us might be going through worse things, like I had gone through for a while with a local witch coven coming after me. Uh, you know, and I, I, I prayed and prayed and prayed. I, I bawled. I bawled my – oh, gosh, I cried so hard. And and the Lord led me to a place called Canaan Ministries in South Africa, and I they had a booklet. Uh, it was like, you know, I don't know, whatever, about, about you know, teaching people how to, you know, help people with SRA, DID. But anyway, it had a whole bunch, a bunch, a bunch of – I mean, it was, it was like a 50-page book, and it was just like one prayer after another, all kinds of prayers, all kinds of prayers. And I found one in there that was like really impressive. And anyway, long story short, um, I add in the holy fire of God, Zechariah 2, 5, holy fire of God, which, by the way, is our strongest, most powerful weapon against the darkness, which, by the way, also you will find that out by reading the booklet entitled um, How Satan Stops Our Prayer, Combat in This Heavenly Realm. Okay, Um, and uh, it's all in there. It's all in there. It's very clear. Once we, when we pray through, you know, if we do mamby-pamby little wimpy prayers in the morning time, no good. No good. Your prayers do not explode into fire. You've got to press in beyond, I highly recommend being on your knees. And I've just had knee surgery. My, my, my surgeon looked at me, and he, I told him, you know, I, I, pray, I pray on my knees in the morning, and he looked right at me, and he said, I wish you wouldn't do that. But that's all he said. I didn't, you know, get into a discussion about how space age my pillow is and how careful I am and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, the point of the matter is, you know, I highly recommend that you pray on your knees, that you really press in, uh, that you are just absolutely overwhelmedly full of Jesus in the secret place of the Most High, full of God, our Father, immersed in those prayers, and nothing is bothering you. There isn't a bird tweeting outside. There isn't a dump truck beeping as it's picking up your trash. You know, try to get up early enough so that it's nice and quiet. And really immerse yourself in those prayers, because when you do that, your fires will catch on fire in the spiritual realm where the demons reside and where they're trying to attack your prayers. They, they start out as incense and then they explode into fire. Once they explode into fire because you pressed in enough, 
Those demons are scattering like crazy. There's tens of thousands of demons just running for their lives because they are there. Nothing scares demons worse than the Zechariah 2, 5, holy fire of God, where our Heavenly Father says, you know, I will be the fire within her midst. He's talking about Jerusalem. But also the Lord revealed to me that the fire that gets shot out of the mouth of the two witnesses for three and a half years, 1260 days, 42 months, or times, times, half a time, or one hour, which are metaphors for the Great Tribulation, that fire... That's the holy fire of God. That is a weapon that is being used against the forces of darkness during the Great Tribulation, which, by the way, I'm 90-plus percent sure that's the mission. When Brother Larry said, John, John, when you get to heaven, they're going to take you into another room, and they're going to say, do you want to go into eternal rest or, or take a mission, John? You've got to take the mission, John. And I never forgot that. And then all of a sudden, things kind of snapped together in my spirit, and I just knew, I just knew that a subset of us, because I thought to myself, the 144,000 and the two witnesses, wouldn't they be worthy to be at the wedding supper? And if the answer is yes, then they would be at the wedding supper. And we know it's not going to be two, two bearded Hebrews standing on a street corner in Tel Aviv, shooting fire out of their mouth for three and a half years while an Abrams A1 tank is shooting shells at it. Uh, it's just not... No common sense trib and trumpet interpretation there at all. We had, um, you know, um, just so many people come on the show and pastors and such that confirmed it through their studies, and the Lord showed me different things. And so anyway, it's, it, I'm, I'm satisfied that that's what's going on. So anyway, we're down to 28 minutes before we bring on Brother Gary Wayne, and I want to go ahead and get right in on the, these headlines in hopes of getting them out to you lickety-split. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And on that note, Oh, wait. Kids, are you ready? And uh, Sister Mary Lee, if you're out there listening to the radio show, no, I don't know if you are. You could be sound asleep for all I know. Maybe you're having a headache. I don't know. I have no idea. I hope not. But if you can hear this program right now, I sure could use some more kids' jokes. Now, I know it's kind of a pain to hunt them down. I get it. But if you can, it would be a just a mighty powerful blessing because uh, we're down to the wire on those. Uh, as a matter of fact, all I got is a couple of knock-knock jokes left. <laughs> so I can go back to like a really, really, really old set of show notes if I could find it and scoop up some of those if I need to. So just let me know. But anyway, I, I love the ones that you find for me. They are absolutely hilarious. I don't know where you're finding them, but praise God, they are awesome. All right. And on that note, uh, kids, a father was washing his car with his son and the son asked, Dad? Can't you just use a sponge? Did you get that, kids? Kids. Kids, can't you just use a sponge? Can, can you see him, like, picking his kid up, you know, and wrapping him in a towel and, like, sponging off his entire car with his kid? <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. You don't need a parachute to go skydiving. You need a parachute to go skydiving twice. <laughs> Kids, what do you think, huh? That is pretty good, isn't it? It sure is. Yeah, what I should have been done, uh, anyway, what it could have, should have, hindsight's twenty twenty. The teacher called little Timmy to her desk. She said, this essay that you've written about your pet dog is exactly the same essay your brother has written. And Timmy said, of course it is. 
It's the same dog. <laughs> Kids, isn't that kind of smart, huh? Of course it's the same essay. It's the same dog. That's just absolutely great. So anyway, on that note, let's go ahead and run into the news. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, it's not normal. This is disturbing. Game over. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. First up. Chinese hackers are ready to attack, according to the FBI director. He warns Congress and whoever will listen uh, that Chinese hackers are preparing to wreak havoc on the United States critical infrastructure. Now, first off, you can't trust this guy further than you can throw him. We all know that. He lies flat-faced right in front of Congress all the time. They've confronted him multiple times. I don't even want to get into all of it. Um, as a matter of fact, I got a sound effect that I just added to the soundboard, and this is this is the truth. This is uh, probably about I don't know, maybe five years old, judging by the amount of hair he has on his head and, and how I, I see how fast my hair is disappearing. Oh no! Um, but anyway, um, you know, Alex Jones just said grabbed a pair of wall clippers and just said, "Ah, the heck with it," and just you know, clippered himself down to like a, a little bit of a butt, you know, whatever. But anyway, this is from a few years ago. Him saying this and. He you know what? He's absolutely correct. And I liked it so much I had to put it on the soundboard. Here it is. This is their plan, people. These are demons. Just like the Bible says, it's basically an intergalactic invasion into this space through people. I, I'm telling you, it's what all the ancients said. It's what they warned of. It's what we're dealing with. They're demons. They're freaking interdimensional invaders, okay? I'll just say it. Make fun of me all you want on CNN or wherever, but everyone already innately knows this. These people are not freaking humans. Wow. Well, he pretty much nailed that, and he's right about that. They uh, <laughs> they actually talked a couple of times on his program. I caught it by accident, probably just being at the right place at the right time, but they were talking about how prophetic the movie They Live from the 1980s actually turned out to be. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next up. French farmers are burning tires. Farmers in France are now burning huge piles of tires on the streets as a massive blank you to the environmentalist uh, politicians who are trying to put them out of business. It, it, you know, Klaus Schwab, so World Economic Forum, and all their lies from the pits of hell. They're trying to kill us. They just want to starve us to death and make all of the things in the Olivet Discourse come true. Pestilence and famine and persecution and all that. Oh, my goodness. It's just it's off the charts. Praise God. All right. Next headline up. Pizzagate man. John Podesta to replace John Kerry. Just in. Biden will tap. Uh, Biden will tap John Podesta to replace outgoing United States Special Climate Envoy. John Kerry, according to the Washington Post. Hmm. Talk about a reptilian replacing a reptilian. <laughs> okay. But anyway, we all know that. All right. Praise God. Next one up. Taylor Swift is not a psyop. And that's what they're saying in this. Now, I'm not happy about what I'm seeing here. So let me go ahead and see if I can jump over. Um, deep, 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 um, hold on a second. Um, looking as carefully as I can. There it is. All right. Hold on a second. Uh, oh no. All right. Hold on just a second. Okay. There it is. 
All right. Now let me bring this up. Okay, listen to this news. Swift is not a psyop. Taylor Swift is not a Okay, so what I want you to hear, I know you've heard these kinds of compilations before. It's just another one of those compilations of about, you know, I don't even know, an untold number of uh, local news casters in different markets all over the United States, Babylon the Great. Uh, but just listen to this. This is just, uh, okay, it's just sickening. It's so sickening. It's so uh, Antichrist Obama flood the streets with raw sewage kind of a thing. Here we go. Good morning. Taylor Swift is not a psyop. 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 Good morning, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, brother. Swift is not I, a psyop. Oh, be quiet. All right. So anyway, what does that tell you? That she is a psyop. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so easy to snap this together when people are, you know, waking away. Praise God. All right. Next headline up. Germany to sign security pact with the United, uh, Ukraine this month. So it says a draft agreement has already been prepared. The Frankfurter uh, Algemeine Zeitung uh, claims. So it says Germany and Ukraine may seal a security cooperation agreement at the Munich Security Conference, which will take place from February 16th through the 18th. The Frankfurter uh, Algemeine Zeitung. Zeitung uh, has reported uh, the German newspaper claimed that Berlin and Kiev had already drafted a deal. Hmm, that's pretty creepy. So it looks like they're going to run that thing on until Putin can't take it anymore. We'll see. Oh, there's some interesting things going on with Putin. We'll hit that in a second. Next one up. Uh, Yemen threatens to cut the Internet cable. I don't know if you've heard this yet, but a couple of days ago, um, they had uh, a few days ago, quite a few. Um, um, uh, they had come out uh, internationally and reported that if you all don't knock it off in the Red Sea, we're going to go down with scuba divers and we're going to cut the Internet cable that's under the sea. And, um, you know, just like the gas prom line and everything with the uh, with the liquid natural gas. All right. Now, if they do that, that's going to cause a magnanimous, humongous interruption to Internet services on a global level. Now, I don't know what the redundancies are or what, you know, there's usually redundancies. And those redundancies would trigger the routing tables to switch over to an alternate route. Now, but it would probably be very greatly, um, the performance would be very, very greatly hampered. All right, so anyway, uh, just an FYI there, that's a threat that's dangling out there. So if, uh, you know, your favorite place to check news or double check news or get confirmations from is located somewhere on the other side of Yemen, uh, well, then uh, in that case, uh, you know, you might uh, get hit with a pretty big disappointment and not be able to access it. All right, praise God. Next headline up. More troops lost in Gaza than any previous war, according to Israeli media. Israeli media confirms that the elite forces of the Israeli Air Force, Shaldag, have lost more fighters inside the Gaza Strip than they have in all previous wars. Wow. That is a very significant statement 
I would never have guessed it. But anyway, I knew it was. I knew. I knew that they were taking a lot of losses. I knew they were getting a lot of tanks blown up. I knew that there was a whole. It was just. It was just a bad situation. But I didn't know it was that bad. All right. Next headline up. War between Iran is on the brink. Okay, according to this uh, particular uh, Twitter news source, a war between the United States and Iran is on the brink. The United States has decided to target Iran's assets and military personnel, which we know that they have already uh, done 82 individual bombings in Syria and Iran by now. So this is just the buildup of the news media prior to those 82 bombings. Okay, so it goes on to say U.S. officials have confirmed to CBS News that they have plans to you know, drop some bombs in Iraq and Syria uh, on Iranian personnel specifically. All right, the next um, headline up, hallelujah, farmers set fire to the EU Parliament building. Now, when I saw that they had done this, now I'm, I'm of course, any of us ought to be voting for the farmers, of course, just like we would the Canadian trucker convoy and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's just the right place for our hearts to be, especially because we know that these shape-shifting reptilians, these entities, these, well, as Alex Jones correctly puts it, you know, interdimensional demons or whatever you want to call it, um, they are, uh, they want to kill us. I mean, it's really just that simple. They want to cut off all of our food supplies. When they say they want to see bugs, they really, 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 really mean it. They really mean it. When they say they want to starve us to death, when they say that they want to reduce the population to 500 million, they really, 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 really mean it. Okay? This, they mean every evil, satanic, horrible, death-gripped word that comes out of their filthy, fallen seraphim mouths in their service to... The beast, well, actually not the beast, but, you know, to uh, the dragon, to Lucifer. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. New York Police Department protests. The illegals that were released without bail after killing the police. And don't even get me going on that stinking AG, AG, you know, Attorney General in in downtown New York. He's dodging all the questions and walking around pretending like he's he's outraged and he can't believe that they did that. And those two police officers were killed. And then the whole NYPD was out protesting. I don't see. Oh, yeah. On February the 1st, which would have been about three days ago. And um, they were driving. It was sad. It's sad. I, I I watched it, and it's like you know, just a police cars as far as the eye can see going down one of the main roads. Looks like Fifth Avenue to me, but I don't know. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, so sad. So it's just uh, no wonder no wonder Jesus called this the period of sorrows. Actually, he said that you you will be entering into the beginning of sorrows. Well, we're already well into the sorrows period, even according to one of the prophecies that we have. Praise God. All right. So, um, and, and we would expect that because Amos 3, 7 says, surely the Lord God does. And, you know, and if I'm not saying it exactly, but, you know, close enough, I'm paraphrasing, surely the Lord God does nothing without first revealing it through his servants, the prophets, right? The problem is that sometimes God will reveal something 12 years ago, 13 years ago, even 100 years ago. And, um, yeah, he revealed it all right, but does anybody remember it? And so then God, our Heavenly Father, will release it to some people, and then some people will share it, you know. So a lot of people don't realize that there is a prophecy known as the Son of Kenya prophecy by a prophet named Owalu 
from, I think it's 1918 or something like that. And it says that a, uh, a man born in Kenya will rise to power in the United States and destroy it. I mean, I'm, I'm summarizing, but that's basically what it says. Completely destroy it. But what are we seeing? <laughs> uh, it's just miserable. Anyway, um, episode number 71 of Tucker Carlson. He interviews Brett Weinstein again. Brett Weinstein had done some deep dive digging. He got real curious and started really. As a matter of fact, he even says, we got to stop punishing ourselves because he's a scientist, a biologist, and uh, he believes in following the scientific principles. Um, and so anyway, he, he said, we have to stop beating ourselves up for assuming the worst case scenario. So he's starting to wake up is what that, that's a fancy way of saying I'm waking up. I'm no longer going to assume that this isn't being done on purpose. Uh, I'm going to now assume that this is worse than I thought it was, essentially. So I listened to the entire thing. That wasn't the smartest thing to do because I was having a little bit of a hard time sleeping around, uh, I don't know, 1130. Uh, I woke up at 1130 for some reason because stress, you know. And um, and then I saw this, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I've got to hear this. Well, it's an hour and 12 minutes long. So by the time I got done with it, and then he's talking about – I did not know this. He said that the vaccine that was given to the Chinese was not mRNA, something completely different. He said that those of us in the West that have taken the mRNA and the booster shots multiple times are poisoned which he's right, and um, he said that he believes that that poisoning of society through that bioweapon is putting our population, it's damaging the population. Now, we know about turbo cancers and all the other things, and myocarditis and that, this and the other thing, but his point is this, that this was strategically done this way. He said that the one-child policy in China was so, he said, one of the side effects of the one-child policy in China was that there is a fantastic, I mean, innumerable overpopulation of military-aged males. And he said that his research has indicated that they, as a matter of fact, he went down to Darien Gap, which is this uh, rainforest uh, section between Colombia and Panama. And the stories that he told about Darien Gap were pretty horrible. I watched a small 12-minute documentary on it, and it is very, very horrible, and it's tear-jerking for sure. But anyway, um, his conclusion after having talked to a number of experts and, and people who had just traveled across Darien's Gap and to several of the Chinese military-aged men, he said that there was a demeanor, a demeanor, in the Chinese military-aged men, where they turn away from you and not want to talk to you, just walk away, like they were on a mission. And, well, anyway, I, I was the dumbest thing I ever done if I wanted to sleep that night. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I went over and took some ZZ Quill and thought, well, I'll just go to sleep, you know, and everything be just fine. No way. That stressed me out so bad. I pitched to the left. I pitched to the right. I pitched to the left. I pitched to the right. I mean, man, I could not sleep to save my life. I woke up the next morning, and um, 
I don't know. Somehow I made it through the day. It's a miracle, really, when I think about it, especially, you know. But anyway, I won't get into all the details. But I did want to share that with you because if you get a chance to watch episode number 71, and by the way, you can find it on Twitter, and you just type in Tucker Carlson, and then you scroll through them and find ep.space71, Brett Weinstein. All right, and watch that. It's very unnerving, okay? I kind of wish I didn't know some of the stuff that I found out. It's very unnerving. All right, so Al Jazeera reports that Israel's war on Gaza, that their updates is that Rafa's uh, displaced brace uh, uh, for an Israeli offensive. So they are expecting, says UNICEF says that about 17,000 children in Gaza are unaccompanied and have been separated from their families during the conflict. More than one million displaced Palestinians fear a new Israeli military onslaught after the Israeli defense minister pledged to attack Rafa, an area once described as a safe zone. So they're freaking out right now because they don't have anywhere to go. I would, too. Um, Another headline. Praise God. The United States launches strikes in response to an attack that killed troops in Jordan. And indeed, they did. Uh, uh, We we went in, dropped 82 bombs, and uh, took out a bunch of uh, Israeli – I'm sorry, uh, uh, Iranian assets. And there is some expectation that there will be a significant response. So there are a lot of people pointing to these events as major escalation points in World War III. Uh, is, Is some other stuff going to happen? Probably so. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Iran breached the Mossad's network. So a bunch of hackers in Iran were sent, and they say, you know, that it says spies and people affiliated with the Israeli Mossad in 28 countries of the world in three continents of Asia, Africa, Europe were identified during the operation. Iran also obtained a big cache of intelligence and security data, including Israel's uh, hidden military installations, weapons factories, and strategic civilian industries. Talk about being able to lay out a plan of which missiles ought to hit which target. Wow. Okay, so another one up. Hallelujah. Elon Musk may be at risk of a national security. So they're trying, what they're doing, the feds, they're trying to go after Elon Musk, uh, paint him out as being a risk to national security. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, it says, uh, it says, according to the inside sources, uh, it says, uh, we'll cite ties to China and support of Putin by refusing to help Ukraine in a scathing report put together by the CIA against Elon Musk. It even goes as far as to suggest that a federal judge, federal judges are at the ready to strip Elon Musk of his American citizenship. Hmm. Hmm. That one I was unable to confirm even using DuckDuckGo, so I'm taking it with a grain of salt. Some of these guys get a little bit uh, pumped up about trying to be the first to announce something, and they get a little carried away. Another headline reads, Delaware judge takes $51 billion away from Elon Musk. So a Delaware judge strips $51 billion from his net worth. According to the trusted sources, this is the beginning of a broader plan to seize assets and companies from Elon Musk. So they are, you know, I know a lot of people out there think he's a bad guy. And yes, he just did successfully do the first Neuralink chip in a person's brain, which creeps me out something fierce. But Typically, when he's on the inside, if if he was on the inside with the World Economic Forum and all these other creepy weirdos and shape-shifting reptilians and, you know, antichrist, satanic entities from the bowels of Sheol, if he was, they wouldn't attack him like this as a general rule. 
so there's a lot of people that think, you know, Alex Jones is in on it and all that kind of stuff, and they, they call it Operation Mockingbird. No, I don't agree with that. As a matter of fact, I passionately disagree with that. Um, but anyway, I'm not going to get into all that. we got plenty more to cover. Next one up. 40,000 people without power because of a Russian drone strike. A Russian drone strike in Ukraine leaves 40,000 out of power. Another headline reads, Big Ford layoff. Thousands of trucks are canceled. Breaking. Thousands of shipments of new Ford trucks have been canceled at Dearborn, Michigan and uh, Clickamo, uh, Missouri uh, assembly plants, resulting in massive layoffs all due to Bidenomics. That's sad. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. More than 81,000 employees were laid off in January. So now do you know why I toss and turn in my bed? <laughs> when you got 81,000 employees getting laid off, let me tell you something, folks. That is not a good time to be on the job market. But anyway, it says more than 81,000 employees lost their jobs in major U.S. layoffs in January alone. Uh, it says uh, most the most in any one month. Since Forbes magazine started tracking layoffs last summer, including major cuts at Amazon, Google, Salesforce, Microsoft, and fears of an economic downturn that prompted more than 120 U.S. companies to implement major layoffs last year persist into 2023. In fact, United Parcel Service, UPS, uh, is uh, 12000 for them. Oh, it's just awful. Just awful. But there's more. 41 bank closings in one week in January. 41 bank closings during one week. Just one week, 41 more banks have closed. A symptom of something deadly and dangerous dead ahead. All out, full-blown collapse will leave the American people despairing and dying. All right. Um, what's interesting is the latest God's Healer 7 uh, prophecy uh, basically speaks of an, a forthcoming catastrophe. And the very end of that prophecy warns financial collapse. How close is it? Are we going to see it coming or are we going to wake up and, you know, in the morning time and just like, go like, what is this Fed now thing? Why does it want me to do my fingerprint, my eyes, my facial recognition? What, you know, what is this? Why do I got to tell them my dog's names and how many dogs are, and all this kind of stuff? Um, did you know that Colorado is looking to tax every animal that you have? They just passed a, they didn't pass the bill, but they put the bill in front of their Congress. Yeah. It's like, you know, up to $25 per pet. Oh, and by the way, if you have like six fish in your fish tank, $25 per fish. And your two dogs, 25 plus 25, so that's 50. And then if you have a couple of cats running around, 25, 25, 25. And then they hit you once a year with this tax for your pets. This is how insane things are getting. It's absolutely, oh, it just, oh man, please, Lord, please take us away from this place. Please, please, Lord Jesus, please, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I pray always to be counted worthy to escape all these things that are about to come to pass and stand before the Son of Man, our Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, please reveal to us and help us to straighten out every little bitty thing that needs to be straightened out so that we are counted worthy. Please, Father. All right, next headline up. Trump. J6 case removed from the 
uh, Washington, D.C. docket. So breaking news, uh, it was removed. So they're not going to prosecute Donald Trump against the J6 uh, docket in Washington, D.C. I find that to be phenomenally interesting. It's probably because of a lot of the riffraff that's going on down there. I'm not going to get into all that. That's a whole show if you want to make it into one, and I don't. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Also, warnings of a white supremacist attacks. That's They're coming out like gangbusters, according to this report, by a guy by the name of Chase Geyser, who's reporting uh, as a freelance for InfoWars. And he went down and he, uh, you know, checked out uh, a bunch of the migrant centers in South Texas and found out that they are moving migrants around because they are expecting what they say are white supremacist attacks against the actual migrant centers. The question I have is, are they going to be a bunch of feds faking it and then turning around and blaming it on us? Well, I think we know what the proper answer to that question is. Praise God. Next one up. Thousands sing the national anthem in Las Vegas. And I'm just going to go ahead and pull this up for a second because it has a little bit to do with next week for me. But I want you to... So anyway, the cameras are panning back and forth at this phenomenally large crowd that makes uh, that uh, Houthi revolt look almost like it was lacking a few people. Uh, but it's a bunch of people. It's a bunch of people uh, evidently out, uh, out, out, in, out in Vegas uh, singing the national anthem together. That's very interesting. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next headline up. Kim Jong-un starts to do an inspection of his warships as he prepares for war. So we are receiving pretty much on every single radio program now. We are getting um, highly believable, highly credible reports that Kim Jong-un is currently in the process of preparing for full-blown war. You don't want to ignore a dictator like this guy that's got a head bigger than Jupiter, you know, that kind of thing. You don't want to do it. The way that Trump actually handled it was the best way, to go over and pay the man attention, shake his hand, give him some respect, because you know what? These guys are dangerous. They are uh, – what is the term they call them? They're, they're, well, they're psychopaths, but there's another there's another term too. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, very scary stuff could happen any moment. We it's one of the major things that we're looking for. We're looking for the F-35 to fly in and bomb the Fort Dow facility with uh, tactical nukes. Uh, they, we know that they've been practicing and they quite successfully, by the way. So we know we're watching for that. We know that we're watching for uh, Kim Jong Un to sink a United States aircraft carrier uh, and then attack Seoul. Okay, so that, that's another thing that's really big on the list. And what was the other thing? There was one more thing that was on the list. I can't remember what it was. Oh, well, I'll have to go back and listen to my own show <laughs> to remember what it was. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Cascadia. That's, that was one of them, too. And uh, this Wednesday, we will be, uh, I will not be here, so we will be doing a best of show with, I believe her name is Linda Moulton, and she, you will hear her give her testimony about what the Lord told her 
about the Cascadia subduction zone. So that'll be this Wednesday night. Praise God. All right. So that'll autoplay. You'll receive an automatic email in the early morning, just like I'm here, but I'm not. Unfortunately, I wish I was, but I'm not. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Oh, wait a minute. We're two minutes after the hour. We need we need to be ready for World War III with Putin. Uh, the t- uh, Romania's top general has told the army. Okay. Um, uh, there's a lot of things here. Wow. Uh, you got Alex Jones warning. Get out of the cities. Get out of the cities. Get out of the cities. They are death traps. They are death traps. And he's uh, he shows like uh, people ripping each other's heads off and beating each other half you know with an inch of their lives uh, at at these various Walmart stores. And he's right. He's absolutely right. Um, a huge crowd of people surrounded the equivalent of CNN News in Sweden. Uh, you know, uh, and it's like thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and they're standing outside chanting and everything. And you know why? Because they know that they're not telling the truth and they're sick of it. Okay. Um, also, there is a um, a Nautic uh, to air mission. This is what's called a NOTAM, and it's letting all the commercial flights that are on the east eastern seaboard or seaboard the eastern um, border of Poland, warning them: you better have your information, your IFF information, friend or foe, and you better stay in close contact with flight authorities when you're navigating that area because they're going to be doing a humongous military operation in that area, and it is extremely dangerous. Don't forget that Tucker Carlson right now is in Moscow interviewing Putin, and this. This is really making people mad. Uh, uh, Ex-lawmaker Adam Kinzinger and also uh, Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal said that he should not be allowed to return to the United States. You know, you know. And then uh, ex-Congressman Kinzinger said that Tucker Carlson is a traitor. So again, um, it's so sick and twisted, it's unbelievable. Netanyahu's the biggest test ever so far. Cutter peace deal has been rejected. So there was a lot of hubbub out there about Cutter coming in, doing a big peace deal, all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, and really putting the Gaza thing to rest and exchanging the rest of the hostages and all that stuff. Well, anyway, it was rejected. So what's going to come of it? We do not know. But what we do know is we are blessed to have Brother Gary Wayne join us tonight. One of my, again, I love the Gary shows. We learn so much. And um, you know what? It's it's a nice intellectual, historical, really deep dive Bible uh, uh, learning opportunity for all of us that can take our minds off of all the other super duper creepy things that are happening all around us. Praise God. Let's bring on Brother Gary. Praise God. Brother Gary, are you there? I am, and uh, very happy to be back with you and your audience tonight, and uh, looking forward to talking about another chapter that I think people will find interesting. So, yeah, happy to be here. Praise God. Well, the microphone is yours, and we are the ones that are blessed. Thank you for, for, for coming on these programs and helping people, and really getting them very excited, not just about the book, that you're sharing from, but also the predecessor or the next book that's coming out really, really soon. So it's super, super exciting for everybody. Thank you, Gary. The mic is yours. Well, thank you. And uh, just a quick update for people as to where the release and uh, the availability of the books uh, are going to be for book two, which is the Genesis six conspiracy part two. 
how understanding prehistory and giants helps to define end-time prophecy. Uh, again, as unique as book one was, this one's going to be just as unique, but this one does the deepest dive on the Bible uh, that's on the market about everything about prehistory that includes giants, hybrid giants, the beast religions out of prehistory, the angelic order, and then it starts to roll forward to the end time and I provide you a chronology for the end time and how I do my approach and hopefully that will help people to take the conflicts and confusion out of prophecy. So got an update for people in terms of the uh, printing of the book. It's been at the printers for almost two months. Uh, it has been into the printing cycle. It's going to be finished. They do it in sections, and so there's an assembly aspect to it. And, it's, again, it's a fairly large book, not quite as large as book one, but still a large book nonetheless. And so first shipments are shipping week of February 12th from the printer to the publisher and distributor, and I received my books off of that as well. So Amazon has a March release date, March uh, 12th, as I recall, and they may or may not make it available before that, but all people who have pre-ordered with me, I will ship books uh, starting immediately when uh, I receive books, and I do have a, a number of pre-orders, so I can't do them all in one day. Uh, so I'll be assembling for about uh, a couple of weeks anyways, I would think, just trying to run runs to the post office and, and get the books out. And up on Amazon.com now as well is a pre-order ability for the Kindle version as well. So that's another sign. It's always getting closer to the, to the date that uh, Amazon will bring the books in, hopefully before their posted date. So if people want to get a signed copy for me, you can go to Genesis6Conspiracy.com, uh, go to book two to pre-order, to book one. To, if you want to get a copy of book one, you don't have to have one to have the other, but one will lead you to read the other book. And on the website as well, I have a generous excerpt of all 84 chapters of book two. And again, it's just a drop in the bucket, just like I have a generous excerpt on the website for book one. And it's a drop in the bucket of all that information that we have on there. So just a quick update on that. And book two will be extending more on what we're going to talk about in 49, uh, chapter 49 tonight. And in, in ways that I haven't done it in the first one, and adding in the Jesuits into that. I did not talk about the Jesuits in, in book one. So, And it's kind of an interesting sort of nexus point, Jesuits and chapter 49, the mother of all sorceries. So uh, I may, if I have time, I'll touch a little bit on a little bit of that about the Jesuits. But uh, I understand I do cover it in detail in, in, in book two. And if I'm on the air long enough, I'll be reading chapters for book two as well. So so this is called Chapter 49, The Mother of All Sorceries. And it's really important, this information. And, you know, if indeed we're in the fig tree generation, and I think we are, I think the fig tree is the southern kingdom as opposed to the vine in, uh, to the lost tribe that will also have prophecies for the end time. And Jesus killed the fig tree because that, fig tree was barren of useful fruit uh, and that was just before he went to the temple and also just before he gave his oration of in chronological order of the end time events and uh, that fig tree is back in bloom I think today as part of that fig tree generation where everything Jesus talked about is going to be fulfilled 
heaven and earth will pass away, but his words won't pass away. And these are indeed perilous times. And I was listening about uh, cities being death traps. So the mother of all sorceries is a chapter about Babylon, but in a way that we also need to come into full sort of understanding of to understand some of the deceptions and the delusions that are coming. And Babylon is the one that makes the way for the end time antichrist. Uh, as the system and religion before Antichrist. And so it's very important we understand various aspects about Babel and the deceptions that are coming, particularly that they, that Babylon comes first. And so I'm going to read uh, Nahan 3, 3 to 4, which opens chapter 49, because I think it's just so appropriate to the destructions that that is coming in the tribulations uh, starting at least 10 years before Armageddon, as Revelation 3 talks about, 10 years of tribulation. So more than the seven that most people um, talk about is the tribulation. So and, And these sorrows get stronger throughout this big tree generation that I think begat with, in 1967, with... Um, the southern kingdom of visible Judah, as I like to call them, versus the lost and hidden tribes, uh, which will become visible in the last seven years. They took a hold of Jerusalem in 1967. So under that sort of premise, as we start to see these sorrows get stronger and Jesus' chronology is one of the three overarching signs, the quote says this, many casualties, piles of dead. Bodies without number, people stumbling over corpses, all because of the wanton lust of a harlot, alluring the mistress of sorceries who enslaved the nations by her prostitution and peoples by her witchcraft. That is just an absolutely stunning quote, and it has nothing to do with Armageddon. That's before Armageddon. It's a solemn passage and it fits perfectly with the descriptions of the woman in Revelation 17 called the mystery who are of Babylon and that's the mistress or the mother of sorceries that we're going to talk about tonight and as this end time generation becomes more as we dive deeper into it and we see the wars and the rumors of wars and all the different things that are going on out there today in the geopolitical network out there, these sorrows are going to get stronger. So more than wars and rumors of wars, there's going to be earthquakes that are getting stronger. And we know that from the the information that they've been getting stronger for a long period of time and more often pestilence. We're going to see more pestilence and we're going to see uh, worse things than what we saw with the last pestilence and worse reaction by the globalists. And we're also going to see famines that come along with that and they all work in tandem and they're all contrived. Everything that happens in the end time is not God's judgment until the wrath of God when he comes down because he has to step in. The rest is brought on by the invisible ones and the visible ones that rule this world. So the beast empires, the beast religions, and the beast systems, and they still have control today. They're not where they want to be from a globalist perspective, but that ties into 
this mother of sorceries and why they want to have a universal religion in terms of their belief system and the destruction of humankind that they don't really have a place for humans for the most part in the world that they would call their new Atlantis or their new age. And most people don't realize that. Uh, I think Christians do. They just may not know all the reasons why. Uh, it, the new the new world is only for in the occult version if they were to win, which we won't because we know the ending because we have the Bible. But in their view, their end game is that in this new age, the watchers, the fallen angels will walk amongst them again as they did before the flood, again shortly after the flood, probably up to 100 years before the Baalim and all the offspring gods went to the pit prison, as we've talked about in shows past. And that this is a world for their spirits, offspring, and whatever type of oiketarians or dwelling places for their disembodied spirits that they're going to provide for them with the angelic technology that they're introduced into this world. And it falls all under the Shiva and the Phoenix doctrine that... Shiva creates, as a destroyer god, creates new worlds through the destruction of the old world, and thus the phoenix rises out of the ashes. That world does not have, that they will renew if they were to have their way, has no room for the Adamites, who are, who were created for the resolution to the angelic rebellion, and the spurious offspring was created to ensure that we didn't reach our destiny. And even though after the resurrection that was not going to be the outcome, they, the fallen angels continue to deceive their spirit's offspring and to deceive what they would call their useful idiots. And that's the term that they coined uh, for the people who follow them who aren't of the gene of Isis aren't of the bloodlines, aren't of the LB genes, aren't of the Julia genes, and all the different genes and um, genealogies that uh, they are associated with that contain the spark of the divine. So we need to keep this in mind. So expect Babylon to rise. Um, and in the aspects that we've talked about in the past as a city, because it's called a city, so it's going to have a central city. It's going to have a economic aspect to it because it deceives the whole world through its sorceries and it controls all the world trade, as is described in the destruction of it in Revelation 18. And it seduces and deceives the world through its sorceries, pharmakia, which is the illegal and legal drugs and all drugs and all the alchemy and all the vaccines. And that's the root word pharmakia for pharmaceuticals. Uh, so pharmacos, pharmacos, pharmakia, all used in, in that sort of understanding that it's going to be an effective part, which is why you have this unrestricted flow of fentanyl and this whole new concept of the progressives that you have to give everybody free drugs. It's all to numb the mind of humans and to kill as many as they can because they don't have any place for us in, in, in their new world. They're here to ensure we don't, do not reach our destiny. And it's a religion. And we need to understand that it's a religion and a universal religion and the ancient religion of Enochian mysticism that was before the flood, the one that crossed the flood that begins in Babel, and then is the root for all the post-Diluvian religions and 
the same daughter of Babel, the daughter of Babylon, uh, religion that were part of all of the beast empires. And how do we know it's going to be that religion and not other formats? Because the descriptions that are provided in Revelation 17 tell us it's a mystery religion. And that's the uh, Greek word mysterion, meaning hidden things, secrets, uh, a mystery religion given to initiates and words like that as we take that back. So it is a mystery polytheist religion. And it will bring in all of the religions of the world. And the woman uh, is, as described in um, Zechariah 5, and uh, as, as coming in from Shinar and the great whore, uh, as in uh, great, as in magus, as in great of the external form or appearance, size, and age, and also in rank and authority, and in great in in the the idea of being a superior being, that a prostitute coming out of that idolatry and uh, uh, meaning to uh, idolatry and um, being a prostitute and uh, adultery, not idolatry, but there's idolatry in there, are the allegories that are used in the Old Testament to describe about Israel worshiping other gods. So when we look at Revelation 17, when we go through all the different words, it's defined as that either as literally or as allegorically. So harlots, for example, is porn, A is the Greek word. Uh, no coincidence there because of all of the sexual rituals and part of the uh, the, the cult of, of, of mysticism or sexual rituals. Also, who are harlot and allegorical for an idolater. And this is the mother of harlots, the mother of sorcery. And that's a literal mo- mo- mother and with the use, use of the harlot as the harlot religion and that has abominations, again, crimes against the law, idolatry, all sorts of horrible things that will be said against the God of the Bible as Antichrist will, will do at the abomination. And on and on and on with all the words. I'm not here to do the whole um, words for Revelation 17, but understand that's the one who rides the beast empires, the mother of sorceries, the mother of harlots. This is a, a concept that we need to understand so that we're not deceived because even the elect are going to be deceived, not only by Antichrist, but by Babylon. So in in Matthew 24, people are going to be turning each other in from within the faith. And many are going to be saying, I am going to go with the false prophets of Babylon and they're going to, um, they're going to fall away in the apostasy and they're going to turn in Christians. There will be tribulation that we're going to have to deal with um, before we're saved from the time of temptation, as Revelation 2 talks about. And it is the time or the hour of temptation or the hour when the Ten Kings hand their power over to Antichrist, which is at the midpoint. The hour of the destruction of Babylon is Revelation 14 in the summary of the last three and a half years provides us in the hour the, the multiple antichrist as the pistol in the it won't say hour they'll say times but it's the multiple spirits of the antichrist uh, in the end time and the hour of jesus is coming they have the bible works perfectly uh, in this case the use of the greek word horus to um 
mark a specific time uh, so that you can rely on that through the multiple testimonies of it. So, again, all things that we need to keep in mind for uh, this fig tree generation that I, that I think that we're in. And as we go through, expect to see a lot of deception. Expect to see more alien encounters and deceptions. That will be part of this whole mix of the mother of sorceries. Expect more occult encounters, more demons and spirits, and expect angels to be walking amongst us in the end time, and perhaps even before the release of the abyss, because not all the angels are in the abyss, as we've talked about, or in the pit prison. You still have a council of gods ruling over the 70 nations that answer and have Satan sitting at the top. That's Psalms 82 and, and Deuteronomy 32. We're pulling that from and, and the count of 70 through the patriarchs in Genesis 10 and First Chronicles and also numbered by the number of sons born to Jacob in Egypt in the book of Exodus is where I pull that number from. And also the same number of Adam before the flood. So Adam in that prophecy in Deuteronomy 32, which uses some prehistory that I call a dual prophecy, um, by its inference would have had seven sons uh, that the parent gods ruled over before the flood and the offspring gods ruled after the flood. And so those ones also went to the abyss, but other ones moved up that still act as the invisible ones ruling this earth. And keeping that in mind starts to make sense about what's going to happen with a lot of these encounters, and in particular, the mother of all sorceries that is going to become, I think, from my understanding, very, very apparent in the not-so-distant future. And so expect more spiritual guides in this nature that will be working in contact with false prophets. And these false prophets will be probably presented to us as almost coming back from the dead as they understand false prophets uh, and or working with spirits of the dead. So either either or, and we might want to look at maybe some of the alien abductions that some of these are, are going to come back with knowledge that they have been provided to help save us from the apocalypse. So we ought to be looking for all of these different types of possibilities that these false prophets are going to be going throughout the earth and preparing the time for Antichrist. And so the false prophet is the false prophets that are coming, they're going to make the way for Babylon. And the mother, who is the queen of heaven, and the mother of the mother of, 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 of all the Babel religions um, and the one that's described that's riding the empire of uh, beast empires, including the seventh empire of the end time. Um, and again, we need to understand that this is a powerful force in the end time that is going to... Um, control almost all things, uh, not to the level of Antichrist, but right up to that sort of point uh, that is, she is going to be um, even controlling the ten kings of the seventh empire. 
and she's going to be the one I think that brings about the covenant of death. And she rides these ten kings on the beast of empires and sits on seven hills. And those seven hills are, as we've talked about in the past, are where Babylon sits and also the ten kings. It's both. And so she sits on many waters, multitudes, nations, and tongues. In other words, the Gentile Sea. And in 1718, Babylon rules over the ten kings of the earth, which is why they will want to overthrow her. So it's this woman that is understood as the queen of heaven, biblically, in Jeremiah 7. Uh, and Jeremiah 44, so 17 through 19 in both of those chapters, where you can find people of Israel, they're sacrificing, or people of Judah, in this case, southern kingdom, are sacrificing to the queen of heaven. And that's who this mother of sorceries is going to be depicted as, as, as a queen of heaven. But the false prophets are going to make a way, make the way through prophecies of doom and catastrophe to make the way for this Babylon religion to come about. And so look for an ever-rising presence of the merry apparitions and overlapping into more parts of Christianity and a more of a reverence to it, just as it has sort of engulfed the Roman church. And that they've recognized even the Medjugorje uh, prophecies, and we'll talk a little bit more about that um, in a few minutes. And so, expect this Mary apparition to move out of the Roman Church, and then as one of the possible ways of bringing about Babylon. I think probably the most likely with what I'm sort of seeing stacking up today. Uh, but it takes the false prophets to bring her about. And so, look for more Mary visions, more spectacular spectacular Mary visions more than what you know Fatima was or, or Lords expect it on a larger scale as we as we move forward also look for a preparation of Christianity to prepare for the Queen of Heaven as understood or reimagined into the Christian religion and you might see some of that even starting to this day I know it's kind of popular in Eastern Europe there's some talk about it uh, over here as well and we need to be very careful not to cross over into polytheism as we look at and we dig deeper into things in terms of words in Hebrew and overlaying that onto the Holy Spirit and we have to we have to keep in mind that the only sins that are that are not forgiven are sins against the Holy Spirit or blasphemies against the Holy Spirit so understand there's a direct connection here to the mother of sorceries and doing things like creating a mother goddess as a counterfeiting of the Holy Spirit. And so in preparation for the end time, there's a feminization of the Holy Spirit that's going on. And that's an earthly concept, not a heavenly concept. There's no need for gender in heaven in the spirit world because they're immortal, let alone part of the tripart nature of the Godhood. That's the spirit of God. 
So look for for that to happen. And a lot of times it's it's um, it seems plausible, but we have to be very careful with the applications. So you might see wisdom, as wisdom is associated with the Holy Spirit in the Bible, both the New and the Old Testament. So they might use the word wisdom back into Hebrew as chokma, and ah is the Feminine plural, as I am is the male plural. That's in Trugum or Seraphim or Nephilim. So Chokma. And the root word uh, of this feminine format is Chokum, which also means wisdom. Now, AH is often used as for the action as opposed to distinguishing a feminine sort of nature. It could mean that, but typically something like that you can't really touch like wisdom is has an application to it or an action to it. So that AH plural is more likely to be the applying of that wisdom as it as it is with Proverbs and it comes in Proverbs eight and actually throughout Proverbs, but most explicitly in Proverbs where it's talking about uh Jehovah uh and uh and his his nature in terms of uh, beginning in, in, in the godhood. So we want to be very careful of that. And, you know, there's like the god of horses, for example, in Daniel 11, that Antichrist is going to worship. That god doesn't go back to El or Elohim. It is the female format as Eloah. So one might infer that that might be a female mother goddess. It's certainly a possibility. Um, but it could also mean that the application of that uh, strength and power of the god of forces. Maus is a Hebrew word there that goes back to Az and Azaz and the root uh, words for Azazel. So we want to be careful. And, you know, another example of that would be Gibberim is the male. And it's not always described for a giant. It can mean, you know, strength and powerful and a nobleman and, uh, and, and other applications. But after 1368, Gibur the singular, is the feminine version for Gibberah, which is used for the application of that might and power and is used in the sense of angels or God or other applications throughout the Bible. So just my point that just because you have a word that has a feminine suffix at it and it's talking about wisdom doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is a physical feminine figure. It is a spiritual part that is part of the spirit of God that is with us but we want to be careful not to cross that threshold but look for that threshold to be crossed over in a significant kind of manner so in the New Testament you have wisdom comes from the Greek word Sophia and again that will be used to feminize the Holy Spirit as well and you have the theology of polytheism understood as philosophy, the love of wisdom or the love of Sophia, who is in Gnosticism the counterfeit Holy Spirit. And she is the mother of the 12 archons that include Satan and in their belief system, God who went rogue and that Satan and God are equal. And, uh, this is a slippery slope if, we, if we're not careful with it and, and will, is preparing us to accept this coming queen of heaven uh, for the end time. 
you know, all the angels have a counterpart. So we know it in the general sort of sense of the understanding of Osiris and Isis and the sun Horus, the Masonic Trinity, counterfeit Trinity, and Horus and Isis as the imagery that's used so much in, in the churches, and particularly the Roman church that depicts Jesus and Mary. But it's the Isis Horus imagery that is being used for that depiction. So again, we see how that crossover happens and starts to prepare us for deception. And so Sophia is um, is one of those main queens of heaven in polytheism, in Gnosticism, the ultimate one, because through some sort of male nebulous light force creates the 12 archons in their belief system. And these mother wisdom gods, war gods, and fertility gods, and they have all of those titles, um, is a common attribute to gods of the pantheon at the top. So you might be familiar with Sibylle, for example, and the Sibylline prophecy in Sibylle as the prophets of the Greeks that they would go to and ask for advice. And the writings of the prophecies that the Romans and the Greeks would go to whenever there was signs in the sky that they feared or invasions, and they would look for guidance to could they avoid this or not. And Sibylle was a main location of worship in Rome at Palatine Hill, where the main center was. And the other one was located on Vaticanus Hill as a branch uh, of the sibling prophecies that was then where Vatican, the Vatican and the Church of Rome built their center on, outside the original seven hills, the original city walls of Rome. In about 800, you had all the walls, or the walls expanded to enclose Vaticanus Hill. And that goes back to the Sibylline and the Etruscan religion, and that's an Indo-Aryan religion that the Romans inherited and used some vernacular names on, just as you have that Indo-Aryan Scythian religion that the Greeks took over and did the, did the same sort of thing. So these Indo-Aryans that were there before were the aboriginal giants after the flood, that after Babel, the people of the earth uh, and the descendants of Noah I should say more accurately, spread across the earth and started to intermarry amongst. And so we're going to see lots of these types of queens of heaven. And Inanna is another queen of heaven from Sumeria, just to give one more kind of example that this queen of heaven will be depicted as the true tripart using the Masonic Trinity allegory, Osiris as an allegory for Satan, Isis as an allegory for the partner of Satan, and this and Horus as the son. So expect this elusive partner that's not mentioned, unless we look at Leviathan as being the female serpent dragon that was killed um, in prehistory because to Leviathan, the whole world would be destroyed, and Leviathan being destroyed in the end time might be a biblical allegory for Satan and why we don't see his partner as part of this whole pantheon. And that this 
empire of nations that comes out of the sea is essentially a leviathan with multiple heads and uh, is the one that Antichrist will take over. And I'm talking about Revelation 13 when it's talking about that Leviathan-type creature. And also understand that in the polytheist world, they look at that we're in the Babylon economic system today and legal system today that will be replaced in the not-so-distant future down the road as they try and prepare for their dragon messiah to come by the Leviathan legal empire and religious system. So understand they look at things from a polytheist lens with the same type of events coming in the end time. They just have a diluted understanding of what that outcome is going to look like. So we need to understand how this all sort of fits in because that's the Legoman language that they use, the green language that they use, or the interpretive allegorical approach that they use to hide things in plain sight uh, because they don't believe we're smart enough to figure it out. And they don't believe there's anything that we're going to be able to do to stop them. And they'll be able to continue right up to the point of bringing uh, the Antichrist into power and only when God ordains it will Michael sit down as he does and is depicted in Revelation 12. And I think he might be the restrainer versus the Holy Spirit. Uh, although I could lean both ways, it just seems to fit better for me with Michael in terms of the prophecies that we get in the end time. And so these merry apparitions that are going to get stronger, they've been happening throughout history. And so in the book I cover off, the merry apparitions that guided Joan of Arc and how she's adapted into this whole sort of bloodline and historical mythos. And that you have people like Ignatius of Loyola, who was first in, uh, initiated into the mysteries by a merry apparition starting in about 1521, and then multiple initiations after that. If you're not familiar with who he is, he created the Jesuits or the New Templars within the Catholic Church. And so we have the merry apparitions of the famous of Fatima and Lourdes and Medjugorje, which is all part of these prophecies trying to bring about the end time before the ordained times. We have to be understanding they're trying to move up the time so that they can permit Antichrist to have a counterfeit Armageddon and deceive even the elect if that were possible. But of course it is, and so that's why we're going to be saved from that time of temptation and trial. And these merry apparitions all preach a common doctrine. And it fits well with the same themes that we see coming out of the alien mythos, whether it's religious nature, knowledge, you know, vibrating into godhood or into another state of being. All of those things are going to be talked about when we see more of this queen of heaven uh, becoming more and more present. So you have this uh, doctrine of the queen of heaven and being the queen of the earth, just as Revelation 17 is talking about, sitting on the waters of the earth. That's what they're going to be preaching. 
And they're going to confuse that with the imagery of Revelation 12. And Revelation 12 is not about Babylon. Revelation 12 is about Israel and the Messiah and is the important context from prehistory and for the prophecy that's going to be laid in the war that comes with the war in heaven and the persecution of Judah as they flee away from Jerusalem at the time of the abomination. And uh, if you're wondering what that uh, water is in Revelation 12 that's going to come out, I would submit that you might want to look at the annulling of the covenant that's talked about in Isaiah 27 and 28. And this is that river that is going to be overflowing that the dragon spits out. So look for that in 2815 to 18, 2814, and Isaiah 27.1, where the Leviathan is punished. Uh, and then move that forward uh, down to 27.13, where you have the great trumpet that's being blasted. This is all in the days of the trumpet. And in 27.12, Jehovah will uh, beat off a channel of the river. That's the same river that's being talked about. And Israel will be gathered one by one as second exodus in the second half. And the lost tribes, as well as the visible tribes of Israel, will see an exodus even greater than the first exodus that will absolutely almost wipe out the memory of the first exodus in its spectacular, miraculous nature that, that is coming. And in Isaiah 14, 43, it also talks about that same river in the second exodus when the waters pass through them and will overflow them. And they'll also walk through fire at that same time. So understand this is all coming together, but they're trying to move ahead to this timetable, which means that that exodus wouldn't happen by implication because if Armageddon has happened, then Israel is obsolete important to understand the deceptions that they're going to be bringing with this type of imagery and they call her the queen of peace and the mother of God and and that's also in the Roman church as they've been raising Mary to, to goddess level and she's called our lady and our lady of peace in these apparitions and understand that all the Gothic temples are dedicated to Our Lady. It's all in this Mary sort of mythos and Queen of Heaven mythos that, that is going to be uh, becoming more present. And that she is saying to, in these prophecies, whether it's at Lourdes or Fatima or Medjugorje or other ones and ones to come, that we need to unite under one true religion. If you've heard that before, that probably comes from theosophy, which is the religion that was created by the Gnostics with Gnosticism of Sophia as a new version of Gnosticism designed for the end time to bring science back home to the polytheist religions, just as it began in Enochian mysticism that we talked about in the past. And theosophy is the god Sophia. So understand that one true religion that they're going to be talking about is this Legoman language that is going to be headed by Sophia and the theology of Sophia, as in philosophy and theosophy. And so that 
you need to unite so that we do not destroy ourselves from the face of the earth. And that's the Babel syndrome, where Enochian mysticism crossed the flood. It was overlaid in the Antichrist archetype Nimrod over all of the Noahites as an understanding of the beast religion and what the end time will be kind of like uh, with Nimrod as an Antichrist type figure and he's overlaying this Babel religion which is the Hebrew source word for Babylon used in the New Testament the New Testament and this is the Babylon religion and the daughters of the Babylon religions that accompany, accompany as part of the hierarchical structure of all the beast empires past, future, and even before the flood. So there's that consistency that nothing as new is under the sun. What was will be again, and this is coming back. And so when we look at Babel as the beast empire religion, it has to be in place for those seven kings that it's going to rule over. We're going with high mind in Revelation 7, hand over their power in, in an hour uh, to Antichrist. And so this queen of heaven is asking uh, people to, uh, to convert, pent, or be destroyed. I'm going to read a couple passages that I put in, uh, in in chapter 49 about the Medjugorje uh, vision at the time of initiating six children who will come out at a specific date with ten prophecies of doom to convert or be destroyed from the face of the earth. And so in the descriptions that I have there, the children describe her as, as this. They say she appears standing on a cloud wearing a gray dress, a white veil, and a crown of 12 stars. The cloud is significant in that never have the visionaries seen her feet or shoes. And the visionaries at Medjugorje and hesitatingly refer to her as the great mysterious sign and a woman possessed of inordinate beauty. This lady and queen comes in such light, they say, that she seems to be actually clothed with the sun. She has a crown of 12 stars, and she stands on a cloud, as she is described in, in Revelation 12.1. See the manipulation of that passage in 12.1 that I talked about a few minutes ago. And what's interesting about that is in Gnostic accounts, when it describes Sophia, she is described in exactly the same way, surrounded by the sun, moon, and stars, and light. You can't get more obvious in terms of the conflation and the manipulation of scripture to overlay polytheism into Christianity in the end time and deceive the elect. And the son that clothes Mary in these apparitions is Osiris or Satan as an allegory for Satan. And the moon at the feet in this vision is Horus as in the Masonic Trinity. The 12 stars crowning her head are going to be represented or about to represent the zodiac, the universe, or even maybe the 12 archons that Sophia created. And, and that this apparition is not this the sign that is described in Revelation. This is a manipulation and a drafting up to scripture 
that has been well-seated trying to see people within the Roman Church, within Christianity, and the rest of the world, along with the false prophets. And the apparition says, quote, be converted. It will be too late when the sign comes. Beforehand, several warnings will be given to the world. Have the people hurry to be converted and hurry to be converted. Do not wait for the great sign. For unbelievers, it will be too late to be converted. These things are, are not coincidental. These things are likely going to come as part of the contrived signs in the sky, signs in all sorts of manners, signs and powers of the pro- false prophets that are coming all designed to cattle herd us into a universal religion, universal government, and bring about their dragon messiah. And they're going to work in conjunctions with those sorrows, the catastrophes that get stronger throughout the fig tree generation. They are the same catastrophes in the seal judgments, in the trumpets, and in the wrath bowls, and would destroy the whole world because that's what they want to do to go into the new world that they want to create for their own spurious offspring, except that Jesus stepped in lest no flesh be saved. And so this is the apocalypse by fire in the end time, and akin to the destruction that happened to the world according to Second Peter 3, of the, of the world that was destroyed by fire, of the world that was in the water and out of the water, that's the water collapsing onto the earth that's talked about that is being separated in days one through six uh, in the renewal of the earth, as Psalms 104 describes it. And so as we move forward into more perilous times, look for this to come out. She's going to be the woman who reigns over everything. The one that seduces the world, as Revelation talks about. And that she will also be understood, as in the New Age, as the Atma or the divine essence and the supplier of all knowledge and wisdom as she starts to build that interconnected beast system and the angelic technology that's coming that's going to be the base model for the chip and what Antichrist introduces. Babylon will have its own form, not quite to the same degree, but this counterfeiting of, of, of the mark of the beast of, that overlaps into the Holy Spirit is this understanding that this divine knowledge is Sophia and a counterfeit of spirit and that it will have the ability to also change DNA. And those who take the mark will burn forever in the lake of fire because those are the sins that are not forgiven. And as we look at uh, the the coming of these of, of the false prophets and I mentioned the six, they're gonna have ten specific prophecies if these are the ones that are going to be the false prophets and there could be other ones that are driving it from other religious perspectives but all working for the same agenda in court in court, according to what they have said is that they're going to have 10 repeating prophecies convert or this catastrophe happens one that is being controlled 
so it looks like it's preternatural, but it's all part of those contrived catastrophes. And so people will say we have to convert because we have no choice. So the false prophets that are coming, are they going to drive the rise of Babylon so that the two angels and Zechariah are going to put her with these way epos uh, or scales uh, that Revelation 6 talks about, and she'll be set into Shinar or Babylon. And I think that's a city. I think it's Rome in, in what I've talked about in, in past shows. Other people have other views, but it's all of those things that we need to understand and we need to understand that this queen mother goddess aspect is going to come back full time because it has to be like what was before the flood, what was within 100 years after the flood, and how they recognize the mother goddess in all of the beast empires. And as we talked about, she'll be the one that is driving and the glue for bringing about these ten kings in that begins the last seven years through the covenant that will be annulled as we talked about in in Revelation 12 um, as it connects into the annulment of of that covenant for Israel and Judah. So look for Babylon to be the one that is going to bring this stuff together. So if you haven't seen the false prophets, we're still a ways away. Then comes Babylon. Then you have the false prophet making the way for Antichrist. You have to sort of look at things in that sort of order. And so uh, in book two, I'm going to expand on this. I'll have more descriptions that are counted around the world about um, the Mary apparitions. They all line up in sort of that same sort of description. You're going to have the Jesuits who come into play who are under the influence of the Mary apparitions and they actually, you know, um, dedicated their church of Jesus to uh, Mary as well. That's the whole church in Rome for, for the Jesuits. The Jesuits are in control of the Vatican today for the first time. So I have a black pope um, uh, combined with the white pope, and I don't think they're going to let go of that grip. So even if Francis doesn't get it there, look for the successors to completely turn the Roman church into polytheism and with the influence of Medjugorje. And they recognize Medjugorje and have control of those sites starting about 2017 and 18, and those visions have been recognized. And so the Jesuits are playing a large role in this. They're not the top of the apex. They're just part of the whole uh, process. Um, but the, they will have larger power as we get closer to, to, to the end time. And if we understand the Jesuits as the New Templars, it starts to make sense because it's an initiatory organization started by the Invisible 33 uh, and took uh, advantage of Ignatius of Loyola I cover all of this off in the new book about Francis Borgia getting him out of jail, Francis Borgia uh, promoting him, funding him. Francis Borgia was the Grand Master of the Montessa Order that received all of the Spanish assets. Um, and he is going to ensure through his black nobility of his Pope bloodline ancestors of the Borgia family that 
They get a papal bull. They get control of the education. They get control of the seminary schools. And then in 1565, Borgia actually becomes the third grand master, and they get control of the banking. They move that banking to Switzerland, which, again, I cover off in, in book two. So things I haven't covered off in book one. Um, I will be covering off more and in, in in, intersects with this whole uh, mother goddess thing that is coming toward the end time. So that's the uh, my presentation for today. You could talk endless about the information that's out there on that. Um, but just put that into your mindset as you're putting on the armor of God and preparing for the unimaginable things that are coming. And I know we've talked about many unimaginable things and that the death that's going to come with it through the wars that come before antichrist that are talked about in Nahan 3 i'll just underline that again many casualties piles of dead bodies without number people stumbling over corpses all because of the wanton lust of a harlot it's coming and it's coming worldwide as part of those wars and rumors of war understand that 25% are destroyed in Revelation 6. 33% are destroyed in uh, the trumpets, and it would be 100% if they had their way, but Jesus will step in. Well, praise God. That's awesome, Gary. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, and this was really edifying, as always. And um, could you once again share with the listeners when you believe the new book will be available so people can, you know, be in the front of the line kind of thing? Yeah, so it's uh, in the printing process right now. February 12th is the first shipment going out to the publisher and distributor, and I get my books at that time as well. So whether or not Amazon or the other distributors take inventory at that point in time or wait till March for the release date that's on it, I will ship my books uh, as soon as I have them for all of the orders that I've taken. And you can pre-order with Amazon or Barnes & Noble or other stores. Uh, and you can also pre-order with me. And you just have to go to the genesis6conspiracy.com and go to book two and pre-order. And you can get that signed in any way that you want. And I will send that off to you as soon as I receive my books. That's awesome. Praise God. Well, thank you again so much for joining us tonight. Um, I love these programs. They're so edifying, uh, and it gets us uh, very exciting, keeps us on the edge of our seat, and also, you know, presents to us um, alternative uh, understandings from what we may have believed, uh, you know, historically over the years or whatever the case is, and uh, allows us, you know, it gives us the fodder, it gives us the uh, motivation to go in and do some digging, and uh, also to look into your books a little bit more deeply so that we can, you know, understand uh, the foundations that are were required to be able to establish uh, you know, what you put together. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. As always, we really appreciate your time. Thank you, Gary. Terrific. Thank you. Good day. All right, take care, and until next month, praise Jesus. All right, and so everybody out there, uh, hold on just a second. I'm just going to, okay. So for those of you out there that um, are curious or whatever, I am going to be flying out tomorrow. I will be gone until the evening of Thursday. Uh, I 
believe that I will be able to – I can't think of a reason why, unless something goes wrong with the flights, why I wouldn't be able to uh, do the prayer vigil. I'm, I'm looking very much forward to it. Um, uh, and, um, uh, you know, so uh, you will have the Linda Moulton Best Of show on Wednesday. Uh, it'll be available at 7. You'll get your email early in the morning as usual. It'll have a link to it. And then also uh, I will see you, you know, Lord willing – uh, all I can say is, like, right now, there are some amazing storms uh, that are pouring over California, heading right for Vegas, which makes, uh, you know, landing a plane a lot of fun, to put it lightly. Uh, and then um, also, uh, you know, uh, possibly some pretty heavy storms hitting Florida right now as well. I don't know about these things. I'm going to look into them a little bit tonight before I try to go to sleep. But anyway, thank you for your prayers. We will see you at the Friday night prayer vigil. 7 p.m., Lord willing. God bless you all. Thank you so much. And thank you, Gary, for joining us. Powerful, powerful program, as always. Praise God. Good night, everyone.
Children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory. 